I might need a chair this morning. No, I'm just kidding you. So this, uh, this morning we're going to, um, after church, we're going to run out and serve a bunch of people some food. Again, the blessing wagon's going out. That's why I'm dressed like this. And um, so you need to be praying for us this morning as we go out. I want you to know last week when I wore the spring colors, I drug some spring in. Did you see that day we had Monday? I ain't going to take credit for that. I'm going to give that one to the Lord. But I told all, I'm telling the Blessing Wagon team, by the time we get back today, it's going to be 60 degrees. In our hearts. In our hearts. Hey, um, a lot of times uh, when we moved here, and I've shared with people along the way this journey that our family has been on to arrive in Ohio, they've always asked me, Ohio? What, how Ohio? Why Ohio? And there's a story behind that, and, and, and I may touch on a little bit of that this morning, but, uh, oh, hey, Kids Church. Do we have Kids Church today? All right. Cool. If, if they're not doing anything fun, you can always come back here. Is that locked? So I have to tell you, and I have to be honest, that, that I have... Um, I have an affection for Ohio that started well before uh, the Lord started to move us here. You see, I've been a lifelong Cincinnati Red fan. I can't remember rooting for any other baseball team. Uh, Johnny Bench is my all-time favorite player, and I've been a Reds fan all my life. And I think uh, God used the Reds to draw me to Ohio, although he misplaced us, I think, by about three hours and 45 minutes. But anyhow, a few years ago, uh, in 2017, we had our General Assembly, Nazarene General Assembly in Indianapolis, Indiana. And our church was gracious enough to send us there um, to experience General Assembly. And while we were in Indiana, Kristen and I and Quinlan, we decided to make a trip uh, from Indianapolis to Cincinnati to see the Reds. And um, I'd never been there before. Um, and so we, we drove from Indianapolis to Cincinnati and we went to a, a game. They played the Brewers that day. And as I prepared, as I, as I bought tickets online for the game, I saw that they had this advertisement that you could pay a little bit extra, you could upgrade your tickets, and you could also um, get a guided tour of the stadium. And I thought, man, I might not ever get to do this again. I'm going to do this. It's not that much more. And so I paid for a guided tour. Uh, and so we showed up the ballpark that day, and, and this young man met us, and, and it was just he, it was just him and us, the three of us, and, and he had a bag full of just all kinds of stuff, I mean, t-shirts and programs and stuff, he just had all this free stuff for us, and then we got to, we got to go through every part of the ballpark, um, hear the history of Great American Ballpark and how the, the design of that, we got to, we didn't get to go in the locker room, but we got to see the, the door of the locker room. Uh, we got to go on the field for batting practice. So literally, we were standing kind of right behind home plate. Um, there was a, a, a guy from the Milwaukee Brewers who nearly killed my daughter because he just saw this kid behind home plate and grabbed a baseball and chucked it to her. And I don't know how in the world she did, but she caught it, and it didn't hit her in the head, and it was amazing. But we had an awesome day. Um, and the experience of, of, of seeing the Reds play and, and touring the stadium it was so much better for us with a guide. Um, I, I'm so glad that we did this. Have you recognized you, you recognize that in your life, that sometimes when you, 
when you go someplace, when you go somewhere, when you have a, a plan and you have a guide to guide you, how much better the experience can be if you have a guide. And, and that's true in life too. I mean, being led or being taught or coached through something is so much better than going at it alone. Wouldn't you say so? I mean, many of you have probably played sports or been involved in things, and you had a coach or somebody who was significant in your life. I know that Michael roots for UCLA, probably only because they have one of those kind of individuals in John Wooden as their basketball coach for a number of years. Being led, being taught, being coached through something is so much better than going it alone. Having someone in your life who can say to you, hey, hey, let me show you the way. Let, let, let me show you how to do this. Let me, let me point you in the right direction. Let me show you how to do this. And then eventually, step back and encourage you as you do it. Encourage you and, and challenge you along your way. Having that kind of influence in your life can make all the difference. I remember as a kid, every time I got the opportunity to be coached or taught by somebody who was, who was skilled in something, it made so much, it made, it made all the difference in the world. We do this in all kinds of things in life. We all, we all do this with, with our hobbies, with our home improvements, with our DIY projects. I mean, if you have ever opened up your phone to YouTube and said, YouTube, show me how to change whatever, for a DIY project in your home, you know that having a guide is so much better. And, and, and a good guide, because sometimes you'll open up a video and you'll watch a video of a guy changing something and you're like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Having a guide is so important. Sometimes you find a guide, sometimes you find an instructor or somebody that's good at something and what they can do is they, they can literally inspire you, give you inspiration to, to change or to turn in a different direction. I'm not going to bore you with this today, but in a hobby that I participate in, I, I've had that experience where you, you kind of have this vision, you have this thought of what you want to do, but then you find inspiration from somebody who's really good at what they do and really knowledgeable what, about what they do, and you're like, wow, this changes my whole thought process on this see having a guide having someone to coach you along the way someone to lead you someone that can inspire you and encourage you those things are kind of like the third article of faith of the church of the nazarene that we're going to talk about today and and and, and that is the the gift or or the third person of the trinity the holy spirit see the holy spirit is like a guide it's a teacher it's a lead but here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so much more than earthly wisdom. It's so much more than some expert that can teach you how to do something in some way, shape, or form. Do you know why that the Holy Spirit is, is different? Do you know, you know primarily why the Holy Spirit is different? The, a different kind of guide? Because first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is a promise. It's the fulfillment of a promise. Because Jesus promised us this. In fact, if you have your Bibles with you today and you like to follow along, um, would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14? 
And if you really like to follow along, I'm going to give you three places to mark in your Bible. John 14 is where we're going to start. Then we're going to jump to Romans chapter 8. So if you have a ribbon in your Bible, put your ribbon at Romans 8 and then take a chunk of your, at a chunk of your bulletin and put it at Galatians 5. You're an overachiever scripturally if you get all the way to Galatians 5. But here's the thing. In John chapter 14, we see, we, we get this interaction where Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit, which really, it elevates the Spirit over everything else, every other lead, every other guide, every other, other instruction we have. And I want to I pause just for a second, and, and I know I'm gonna, I, I need to really be mindful of time today, um, but I'm just going to, I'm going to keep you, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep you for as long as I need you today. I, I just don't get, I get one time a week to share with you. Um, I'm going to share with you out of John chapter 14, which is Jesus speaking. And, and I, I'm going to give another plug. How many of you watch The Chosen? Anybody? Anybody? You've got to watch this. You've got to watch The Chosen. Um, Kristen and I are in season one, episode four. We're kind of late to the game on this. Um, we watch one episode a night because uh, it, it, I think if we watched more, we'd just be a wreck. It's just, it's that good. And here's the cool thing, and here's, last night we watched an, uh, episode four, and it was the episode, obviously, as the episode begins, if you know the Bible, if you know scripture, you kind of know the, the story, right? But the cool thing was, this was the, 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 this episode was all about the calling of Peter and Andrew and John and James. And I sit on the couch and I watch this, and I'm just like, how are they going to do this? How are we going to, how are we, and, and you have to understand, you got to watch it because the backstory on Peter, the first four, three and a half episodes to the backstory on Peter gets you to the point where you recognize that when, when Jesus finally provides this miraculous catch and he jumps out of the boat and he, he doesn't kneel and, 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 and say, get away from me because I'm sinful. He doesn't say that because he's a bad fisherman. He says that because of the life path he's taken. And so you got to watch it. And that's just bonus. That, uh, that's just not even in my notes. Um, so you just got to watch it. And the reason why I mention that to you is because when I read John chapter 14, I can't wait for this episode. I can't wait to watch this unfold. And here's what we read in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, if you know anything about this, this is kind of near the, the this is getting near the end of Jesus' ministry. I mean, he's given final instructions before everything starts to happen. And he says, listen, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And he tells them what the name of this advocate is. He says, it's the spirit of truth. Now, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Now, the cool thing about this is, especially if you jump on board with the chosen, I have no idea how they're going to get to this point because I haven't watched it yet. But what Jesus is talking about is he's saying, essentially what he's saying is he's saying, listen, you remember when, when you were on that boat, Peter, and you caught nothing all night long and you got out of the boat and, and all of a sudden I had to throw the nets in and and you kind of reluctantly, but you said, if you say so, I will. And you threw the nets in and you could hardly bring the fish up. You remember that moment? And Peter's, Peter's like, yeah. And then he kind of lists all these other things, all these other experiences. He says, you know, when you, saw all, when you saw all of those things happen, 
The Spirit of God is what was doing those things through me. And now I'm going to give that same Spirit to you. You're going to get that same Spirit. Did you know that? Did you know that every believer is gifted with the Holy Spirit? And the Spirit is there to lead us and teach us. The Spirit's there to comfort us and speak to us. Here's the thing. I want you to know something. This is kind of weird, but... Every single time the Lord has begun a process of moving Kristen and I and our family, somewhere in ministry, the Holy Spirit has spoken. Spoken audibly. It's spoken in different signs and different, almost things you could call a wonder. There's a period of time in, in South Dakota where we're sensing God's release to us. We had been home to Oregon for vacation, and then all of a sudden, God started opening doors for us to potentially move back to Oregon. And there were these conversations that Kristen and I were having was like, are we really, are we, are we forcing this? Are we trying to open a door that, that, only, that we should only let God open? And, and the Spirit speaks in so many weird ways. We get on the freeway one day to drive 70 miles from where we live to a bigger, to the, to the town with the mall. And, and we get on the freeway and we're, both, we're, just, we're having a conversation. Do you think we're forcing the door open to move back to Oregon? And all of a sudden this car drives by me with license plates from Oregon. And not only is it like, I'm like, Kristen, did you see that? Was that a car from Oregon? She's like, yeah. I was like, I'm going to check. So I sped up to catch this car from Oregon so I could see. And when we pulled up and we get behind the car, you're not going to believe this. Not only was it an Oregon, was it an Oregon license plate, the license number was STE069. I am Scott Timothy Eastburn, and I was born in 1969. And so it's like, okay, Lord, I guess you're opening doors, right? Just this move. God speaks through license plates and street signs. Just in this move, the Lord was working on us about Ohio. And we had this kind of a person in our church, this connection anyways, and, and, and they had left us, and, and anyway, it was just kind of weird, and, and one day we were driving around, and I'm like, wait a minute, didn't that family live, didn't they, didn't, when they first came here, didn't they have me go look at, before they even arrived, didn't they have me go look at a house for them, and wasn't the street, wasn't the street that they sent me to look at this house, wasn't it Ohio, and sure enough, I drove over, it was Ohio Street, and I'm like, and didn't they then move from that house to another street named Brown? And did you know that our district superintendent's name is Wendell Brown? And so the Lord had me driving around Roseburg trying to confirm in my heart that maybe this was something that was come to pass. And he drove me to a street named Ohio and a street named Brown connected. I mean, it's just kind of crazy how God speaks and moves in these things. And that's the spirit of God. And every single one of us who are Christians we have the Spirit of God. And every time God moves in my life, and I would say that you could say, you could have testimonies as well that would say every time God has moved you, God has done, you sense it from the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit teaches, the Spirit leads, the Spirit reminds you of everything that God has done in your life and encourages you that He will continue to do those things. So as Christ followers, as Christians, being gifted with the Spirit, our responsibility is to keep in step with the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you. Listen to it. Pay attention to the Spirit. Because God's Spirit is in you. And it speaks to you. Live your life according to the Spirit of God. Here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I know this is true for me. I, need a, I know I need a guide. 
I know I need a teacher. I know I need a leader. I need a coach. I need somebody that can continue to push me along and move me along. Correct me when I'm wrong. How about you? Do you recognize your need for that advocate, for that, that person of God in your life that says, hey, 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 this is not the way. Or yes, you're right where you're supposed to be. If you say, yes, I need a guide, I need a teacher, then I'm here to tell you today that you've got one. And if you're missing that coach, that guide, that leader, you're just not looking close enough for him. So now, as a church of the Nazarene, we have an article of faith on the Holy Spirit, and this is it. This is our third article of faith. It reads this way. It says that we believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead, and that he is ever-present and efficiently active in and with the church of Christ, convincing the world of sin, regenerating those who repent and believe, and guiding into all truth as it is in Jesus. So let me ask you this question today. In, in, in the theme of our series, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Do you recognize the Spirit? Have you responded to the Spirit of God? Now, I want to share with you a, a pretty lengthy scripture from Romans chapter 8 where Paul talks about the Spirit. And I'm going to read this, and I'm, I might bounce in and out of it a couple of times, and then I want to give you four practical ways that you can see, that you can picture the Holy Spirit in your life. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read all the way to verse 17. Another little side note on the chosen. This is so crazy. Do you know that it is a completely crowdfunded project? That people just like you and me have contributed and raised funds for this? It has reached, check this out, it has reached over 320 million individuals. 320 million. That's like the entire population of the United States. It's reached that many people. Do you know that they've already raised enough money for than for season three, and they're probably about a, a quarter of the way in season four, and they haven't even made those yet. You know what that tells me? It tells me that we are part of a nation who's desperate for God. Desperate for God. And I just can't wait to meet Paul in The Chosen. Who's going to play him? How we're going to see the pages of Scripture come to life in a depiction that I hope helps us connect with God. So Romans chapter 8, here's, here's where we read. This is Paul talking, and he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For the, what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. This draws a contrast. So if you live by the flesh, you're more consumed with what's yours and sometimes what belongs to others and what you want and what you will but if you live by the spirit you want what god wants first and everything trickles down from there it says the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace 
The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Which is kind of important because if you struggle with giving in or submitting to the, to the Lord, if you struggle with that, then maybe, just maybe, you're being more governed by your flesh than by the Spirit of God. Verse 8 says, Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject to death because of sin. The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 11, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit who received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. What Paul is saying, what Paul is saying, Paul is saying that God did through Jesus what the law couldn't do. And if you believe in Romans chapter 8, that, that God sent Jesus to do what we couldn't do on our own, and if you believe in that, you have faith that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, and he did exactly what he said he was going to do, and he accomplished exactly what he said he was going to do, and you receive it, you no longer live by the law. You now live by the Spirit. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Because you have the Spirit living in you that, check this out, defeats sin. See, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. The power that rose Christ from the dead defeated sin for all time, which means that same power lives in me and it lives in you. But we have to choose to live accordance, in accordance with that Spirit. We have to choose to recognize the Spirit in our life. We have to choose to recognize that the Spirit of God working in our lives sometimes brings convic conviction and correction and respond to it. See, according to Paul, there are two ways to live. You can live according, you can live according to the Spirit or you can live according to the flesh. And if you live according to the Spirit of God, then you live like Jesus. That's why I'm so excited about watching this show the chosen because the gospel is being played out we're getting one of the coolest things about jesus is every step of the way you see him you see him look up all the time he, he's constantly looking to the father You're, he's constantly looking for his guide and constantly wanting to make sure he's in step with what god's plan is and see, if we want to live according to the Spirit, we live according to the way that Jesus did, which means every step of the way we look up and we say, okay, am, am I right where I'm supposed to be? 
Am I living according to what your will and ways are for me right now? To live according to the Spirit of God is to live like Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Well, he healed and he cared about people and he comforted people. He spoke the truth into people's lives. He was a peacemaker. You know what I've discovered in life? It, it takes a much bigger man to walk away from a fight than it takes to dive headfirst into one. To live according to the flesh is to live in rebellion to God. To live in rebellion to Jesus and His will and ways and to live, live in rebellion to the Spirit of God. And you can do that in so many ways. There's so many ways to live contrary to God's will and ways. Paul goes so far as to point our role in living by the Spirit. He said in verse 12, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it's not to the flesh. You know what an obligation means? You're obliged to. It's like, it's like having a responsibility to. And so we're not obligated. We're not responsible to the flesh anymore. We're responsible to the Spirit of God. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if by the Spirit... You, but, but, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. It is as if Paul is saying, recognize what being obligated to the flesh is like, and then discard that and recognize, instead of maybe even using, I, I kind of want to change the word from obligated to obliged. I'd rather be obliged to the Spirit all day long than think that I have this obligation to it. And the words are kind of the same, but obliged has, a, has this, uh, this, this uh, feeling of I'm giving up my will. You know, uh, there are times when you obligate your children to clean their room and they don't do it willingly. There are times when I'm obliged to cut the grass and I do it willingly. There are times when I'm obligated to cut the grass and I don't do it willingly. Living by the Spirit changes you, transforms you, and you are obliged. You go very willingly along the wills, the will and the way of the Father. Right? Does that make sense? I think this is pretty good preaching. But if the flesh has ruled you, and if you've lived by the flesh for very long, you know it hasn't done you any favors. You know it's deceived you. You know it's lied to you. You know it's even lowered you. The flesh is always responsible for great pain. It's always responsible for dysfunction and the consequences that we experience in life. But see, the Spirit transforms our hearts so that we're obliged to doing the will and the ways of the Father. We're, we're, we're even compelled. We're drawn that way. So if we're, if we're obligated to live by the Spirit, and we're, and, we're, and we're free from the obligation to live by the flesh, and we live by the Spirit, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Verse 11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, because His Spirit who lives in you. You now have the power to say no to things that you didn't have the power to say no over before. Do you realize that? When you're in Christ, if you will tap into it, you have the power to say no to things that you didn't have the power to say no to 
before. You're, you're obliged to say yes to Jesus and no to yourself. And Paul gives us this beautiful picture in verse 13 when he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put, the, you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you're going to live. Essentially, you get to. You have the ability to. You have the power to put to death the misdeeds of your past. You have, the, you have the power, you have the strength to put to death the misdeeds of your present and even your future. You can put to death your anger. You can put to death gossip in your life. You can put to death lying, bitterness, the inability to forgive. It's dead. It's dead. The Spirit of God helps you kill those things, put them to death, so bury them. And don't put a gravestone on a, on, on a sinful thing that you had in your life. Sometimes when we put, and, and it is very appropriate when we lose a family member to, to place a headstone, a gravestone, and return to remember them. But when God helps you through the Spirit defeat sin in your life, don't put a gravestone up to your alcoholism and go back to it. You're not to go back on Memorial Day and put an empty flask on the alcoholism that the Spirit of God helped you defeat years ago. You don't go back to the anger and resurrect it because you think for some reason you get to recapture that so that you can right some wrong. Yours is not to right the wrong. Yours is to be obedient to God the Father and let Him have vengeance. Don't grieve the things that the Spirit of God allows you to put to death. Don't mourn them. And certainly don't resurrect them. And if by the power of the Spirit you put to death one after another those things that are in conflict with the Spirit, then and only then will you really begin to live. In fact, if you think you're dying right now, it's probably because you haven't allowed the Spirit to help you kill the things that are killing you. And if you finally let the Spirit help you put to death some of those things, you'll really begin to learn what it means to live. So before we go, though, I want to give you four things. Four things. Practical pictures of the Spirit so that you can recognize Him. Because I think sometimes the hardest part for us is to recognize when the Spirit of God is moving in our lives. He doesn't always send a car speeding by you with license plates with your initials and your birthday. First, have you ever felt what you would say as, is an internal witness encouraging you to take a certain course of action? Have you ever felt something just inside you just kind of leading you, guiding you? You, you, you don't necessarily know where it's coming from, but you know where it's leading you. For those who are in Christ, most often that's the Holy Spirit. And you should listen to the Spirit. And if you are in doubt for what the Spirit, where the Spirit is leading you, if, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you're in doubt of where this witness in you is, is putting you or moving you towards, compare the leading to the Word of God. And if it aligns with the Word of God, you know you're going in the right place. But if it doesn't, if it's not in harmony, if it's not in harmony with the Word of God, then don't go there. It may be the other spirit. You know that Satan sits on, on, on your doorstep and lies to you all the time. The Spirit of God tries to lead you and direct you. And when you feel that, 
If, it, if it's in harmony, if it lines up with the will and ways of God, if, it, if, it's, if you can look it up in Scripture and say, yes, the Lord is taking me this way. In essence, in essence, I heard this story one time where a pastor was in his office one day and a guy came into his office and he said, Pastor, I believe the Spirit of God told me I'm supposed to leave my wife and marry her sister. And the pastor said, that ain't the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of somewhere or something else. Because if it doesn't line up with God, then it isn't the Spirit of God. So if you've ever felt this kind of internal witness, this guidance, this direction, it's the Spirit of God. And if it makes perfect sense according to God's Word and His will and His ways, you just go. Just do it. Just go that direction. Second, have you ever felt something alerting you? I mean, to pay attention or pulling you in a particular direction. And I'm not just talking about that moment you looked out the left-hand side window just in time to not run into something. Perhaps you were at church one day and you were listening to a sermon and you sensed that God was telling you to follow Him in obedience in one particular area. When, when, that, when, that, when, that, when that voice of God alerts you, when that Spirit of God, when that prompting, when it, when it points you towards something that will glorify and honor Him, just go that way. I mean, I, I hope and I pray that at some point in time in your life that, that you heard a preacher preach and you were like, God, that was just for me. The Spirit of God just spoke directly to me today. As a believer, recognize that those feelings are the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And they always should be verifiable. You, you know, you, it should be verifiable guidance for you to understand and accept God's will. God's speaking to your heart, warning you or encouraging you to submit to God for His purposes. Third, recognize that the Holy Spirit is a trustworthy guide. The Holy Spirit will never lead you astray. He knows the path ahead much better than you do. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 say this. It says, so, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So if we recognize the Holy Spirit as a trustworthy guide, any other voice would be in contrast to that. See, the Holy Spirit empowers. The other voices generally tear you apart. The Holy Spirit empowers you to resist sin and to obey God. But the Spirit also does so much more. He also helps us to understand Scripture. And He enables us to fellowship with the Lord. Do you know that? But We've talked about this a few times over the last couple of weeks. The Spirit of God, when you pray, if you came to the altar this morning, as we were praying for Ukraine, as we were praying for our church, in preparation for the revival, when we were praying for those things, when we prayed for those things, it, was, it, is the, it is the Spirit of God that takes that to Jesus Himself, who sits at the right hand of the Father, and all of that, the Spirit of God takes that there, and now Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through all these, uh, ever seen Bruce Almighty, all the emails? Jesus is up there right now, sitting at the right hand of God, sorting through everything that we've asked in his name. And then he will present it to the Father. And when the Father dispenses his will in our lives, he 
gives it back to Jesus, and Jesus sends it back to us through the Spirit of God living in us. That's how this three-in-one work practically. And you need to understand something. The Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. He will never contradict the will and ways of God. And then fourth, recognize that the Holy Spirit is here to help us. The Holy Spirit is like an ambassador, an ambassador who unswervingly represents the policies of his homeland and also serves the host nation by translating the messages into their appropriate language. The Holy Spirit is God's ambassador to us and his job, his primary responsibility is to translate the will and ways into language and understanding that you and I can, we can pick out, we can figure out, we can recognize and receive and respond to. The Holy Spirit faithfully conveys to us the Father's will in ways that we cannot understand. Sometimes it's a voice. Sometimes it's a prompting. It's a leaning. Sometimes it's a license plate. Sometimes it's even the word of someone else. And the key is to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And we do this by being, by, by, by recognizing the Holy Spirit's presence in us. Learning to submit to Him as you feel Him. Pulling you in certain directions. Tugging at your heart. You ever, you ever feel that, that tugging at your heart? Especially when, when God is trying to move you in a particular direction. We need, to, we need to learn to recognize and respond to that leaning, that pulling, even if we don't understand why. Here's one thing that I've discovered in my faith journey. Because sometimes it's not so easy to follow the promptings of the Spirit in our lives. Here's what I've discovered. That when the Spirit of God starts to prompt you initially, follow those initial prompts. Do you know what following those initial prompts will do for you? As you do that, as you follow those initial prompts of the Spirit of God, the voice of God will become stronger and stronger and more clear and more prevalent in your life. Don't expect to hear from God at the crisis moment if you didn't start to listen to Him in those soft, quiet whispers. You've got you to build this line of communication. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't moments where you haven't talked to God, you haven't recognized the spirits, and you, don't ha and you have a crisis moment and you fall to your knees. I believe God shows up in those moments too. I told you one of those a couple weeks ago when I said that, that day my mom had the sudden cardiac incident. I hadn't talked to God forever at all. I thought he was mean. I didn't think he wanted anything to do with me. But I fell to my knees and said, you can't take my mom, and he didn't. He brought her back. So I'm not telling you today that if you don't listen to those early prompts that God still isn't going to show up. But if you want to hear God clearly in your life, you listen to him from the very beginning. Don't expect to come in on episode four or five or six of this journey and understand the whole thing. You've got to start at the beginning. And as you do, you will begin to recognize his voice. It will become stronger and stronger in your life. So here's what I hope you take away from today in regards to the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize his role. We need to recognize his role in our lives. He is what connects us to Christ. And Jesus is who connects us with the Father. 
And then we need to learn to obey his promptings. The Spirit of God is leading you in a specific way. Don't sit on it. Don't wait to respond. If the Spirit of God is saying something to you specifically today, do something about it. And as you do, he will enable you not only to live a life that is pleasing to Christ, but also to experience God in ways that you never thought were possible. So, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit in your life? I think it's pretty critical to understand what you believe about the Holy Spirit because this is how God interacts with us. This is how God interacts with us. Every time you sense the Lord moving you in one way or the other, it's the Spirit of God. And if you ignore the Spirit of God, you ignore the voice of Jesus in your life and the will of God in your life. See, that's why we, we look at God as one eternal being represented, revealed to us in three persons. Because the only way to the Father is through Jesus. And when Jesus went to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he said, I have to give them a way to communicate. And so I gave them the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit moves us up and down. And Jesus sits at the right hand and talks to God for us. And when God responds, Jesus calls the Spirit of God and he says, go tell my people, go tell my kids what I got in store for them next. That's why it's so important for you to know exactly what you believe about God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Opportunity, oh God, the opportunity to just worship you. And, it, and I feel like, Lord, we did, we did good. We significantly and sufficiently praised you this morning. Help us to continue from this place with a spirit of praise and thanks. Lord, thank you so much that we have the blessings, the security, and the safety that we do. Thank you, Lord, that we had this opportunity to pray collectively for a part of our world that is in chaos and turmoil. We pray for your will to be done in that. We pray for your, a miracle of God to change the hearts of men in this world. Bring an end to something that just seems so beyond us. Pray over our church, Lord, that God, you would do a work in us over the next 20 some odd days as we prepare to hear what you have for us, not from Dr. Reader, but from you through Dr. Reader. And Lord, as we continue this process of unpacking what we really truly believe as Nazarenes, as Christians who call themselves the Church of the Nazarene, I pray, God, that as we've looked at the, the Trinity, the triune God, that for all of our people, that who you are and how you want to interact in our lives is so much clearer for us. And that we've, we've gained a, an intimacy, a, a deeper connection to you through it. And may we respond as the Spirit of God lives and moves in our life. Help us to be ever aware, always, always listening, always seeking the Spirit of God in our lives. And when you lead, when you guide, when you coach, when you instruct, when you convict, when you correct, Lord, help us as a body 
and as individuals and as families to always respond to the promptings and the leadings and the direction and the wisdom of the Spirit of God. Help us to live by the Spirit of God and Lord, put to death in our flesh anything that would be in in contrast to who you are. And may God, you use the Spirit to transform us into a people that not only live a life that's set apart to be used by you, but we make a difference in the lives of the people that are in our families that are connected to us, the person we work with that struggles, our spouses, our marriages with our kids. Ultimately, Lord, we just want to be used by you. Thank you for how you bless us. May God, you go before us. And may, may these next few weeks as we continue to look at who you are and how you want to move us. And Lord, we're so, we're so anticipating what you are going to do with our church as we, as we set down three days, four services, Lord, to hear what's next for you. Let us be obedient to that, Lord. And may you change us and transform us. And may others come to know you because we were faithful to listening and obeying the Spirit of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Pray for Blessing Wagon today.